when it's two o'clock and you hear the trippy music, you know what time it is. It's time on a mutiny radio for some call me Tim. All right, some call me Tim here on a Wednesday at two o'clock where we talk about God stuff. On some call me Tim. I have special guest Skip. What's your last name, Skip? Bacon. Skip Bacon. It's a cool name. Uh, here in the studio today for Some Call Me Tim. And she asked me why. Why is this show called Some Call Me Tim? And uh, it's it harkens back to Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah. So it's uh, Tim the Enchanter. And he's like, what is your name? What is your quest? What is your favorite color? And then he blows people up and all that stuff. Uh, but it's called Some Call Me Tim because that whole movie and the crux of it is like they're in search of this holy grail, which is this artifact that doesn't turn out to have any meaning at the end, right? And so it's everyone's on this huge quest and the whole movie is sort of for nothing because none of it, because it was just a movie, none of it really existed or whatever. And so I'm just interested in religion and what people believe in and if it whether it be religion or whether it be spirituality or whether there was something that they experienced as a child that shaped them into the person they are or whether they negated that past and that shapes who they are like all that kind of stuff I find very interesting very cool so usually I have people look deep into the eyes of sparkle Jesus oh his name is sparkle Jesus and I ask you skip bacon do you believe in Jesus I believe in the story of Jesus very much. In the story of? The story of Jesus very much. So he's not the son of God. He is the son of God. I believe in that story very much. I believe that if that is the story, then yes, that would be the son of God. That would be the incarnation of all of creation. Sure. Yes. Very much so. Cool. So like, did he die on the cross to save us from all of it? Yeah, in that story, that's how that happened. Oh, I see. In that story. So you also believe in like Sisyphus rolling the ball up the hill i think that if you're gonna stick with a story you stick with that story and you kind of see how that plays out and that's one of the older stories not the oldest story it's just a good old story it's just a good old story and i think it's one that people flock to and i think there's a reason they flock to it can you believe in more than one story i think you do believe in more than one story because i think you're always adding on to that story i think that the story of christianity is an old story that people have flocked to for generations for a reason and they add to that story as the generations keep going so you have to believe in another story because you're adding to it as you live it aha so the whole uh why do you think uh, i don't know were you raised super christian no i wasn't raised super christian my mom was like a socal stoner hippie had a real screw the establishment kind of attitude with the whole thing. But her mom was uh, raised in a Catholic orphanage run by Benedictine nuns. Wow. So there was some Catholicism there, but not like for great reasons. Raised in an orphanage because did her parents die? Was she given up as like because abortions were illegal back then? That or? is a huge question mark in our family. The uh, She met her parents twice. They came to visit her at the orphanage where they left her. Wow. It's believed that they were musicians and they were too popular, too on the road, too famous to have a kid. Wow. Uh, but went ahead and had a kid uh, gave it to the orphanage. And they the, the, the family lure is they saw her twice. Wow. And the rest of the time she was raised by the Benedictines in this orphanage. Um, and Benedictines are known for being some of the meanest nuns on the planet. I was just going to ask, did... Does she recall a history of abuse? Oh, t- yes. And a lot of it wasn't even abuse. Like, 
because they had the time to abuse kids. They just didn't have money. They didn't have food. They barely had shelter and clothes. Uh, So there was a lot of that. So a lot of my mom's upbringing was Catholic. But only because it was the only thing that brought her own mom up. Sure. Uh, and her dad is a uh, Irish Catholic, so that's just kind of Irish by blood. Right. Uh, so right. then she was so born and raised, and was just like, oh, screw the man, screw this whole thing. Then she had a kid, and she was like, I don't know, maybe there's some stuff we should. So you were you went to church as a kid? Went to church. My dad's Episcopalian, and they had like a street preacher woman and she was totally hip for a preacher right in a small town in indiana 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 this all happened so they were they were just both like yeah there's some stories out there and there's some history we're a part of let's be a part of it or don't whatever here's life so that that's kind of how they were with us so are you were you raised as one of the sort of born again Jesus lives in my heart no no you were it was the Catholic stuff of like here's what they catechism told. They, and- they took us to those kinds of things and they were like that's one way to live in faith uh, there's lots of ways but they were like your responsibility as a human on this planet is to love and Christianity teaches that lots of other religions teach huh. that and that is your responsibility and not like a little pansy love a very radical very difficult love because we grew up in uh the clan territory in Indiana, but my dad's from upstate New York and my dad and my mom's from Southern California. And they were like, Oh no, we did not know what we were moving to because Wikipedia didn't exist. Wow. Uh, so they were like, listen, you're going to have to learn love. That's just going to have to be what you do. The uh, clan is real. The clan's super real. Super, super I'm sorry, real. but now their clans are no longer allowed to hold bank accounts. So they actually have to be called a coalition. So now instead of the KKK, they're called the coalition of concerned citizens, the CCC. Because that's co- hilarious. The KKK to the CCC. CCC a coalition of concerned citizens. Cause they wanted to be able to still hold bank accounts and be able to have rallies in public spaces. And clans are not allowed to do that, which they thought was a brilliant way to shut down the clan. Now and it's just, just a coalition. moved over yeah. to a different kind of 501c3. So just imagine a little upstate New York guy and a little SoCal girl moving to Indiana and being like, whoops, what's wow. that? So And so how do you practice radical love against, an, against an, a Nazi clan fuck? Yeah, because they're your neighbors. There's no 911 system. Oh. There's no fire department. There's no one to help you but them. And they are humans. And they were built and born just like you. And they deserve that love. And that's when love gets radical because they're also steaming piles of human garbage. And so, but what? But, but you weren't because you were born like me and you were made out of love and you were put in this world to love. And this is what happened to you. And so my parents had to teach us what love meant in a really radical way. Well, but who were they hating? Did they hate on you? Uh, no, they didn't hate on because us. Because you guys, you're white. They, we were white. We had that going for us. But you're still hippie weirdos. Still hippie weirdos. They definitely thought my dad, they called my dad a gay man until I was, no, I think until he left the town, they called him a gay man just because he was a, a liberal guy and grew up huh. in a big city and they didn't call, they never used the N word. They always called people city folk. That's what she called someone who was interesting, who was an urban. Was a, yeah. Urban, sure. Yeah. So they call my mom a city folk lover because wow, we would do things like hide our, our UPS guy was a black guy and they would hide him when he was trying to make deliveries and people would chase after him. They would hide him in our pole barn and they knew that my mom was helping city folk. So yeah, but he's the UPS guy. He's, he's trying to deliver packages. Not in our county. Not a good plan. Uh, but he never stopped. They always said, how come you don't stop? And he was like, I have to do my part to stand up for people. And my parents did their part to keep him safe. And but this isn't that long ago. You're, no, no, you're I'm, not 35. That yeah, I'm 35. I'm so 35. This is like this the 19. 90s. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been a real trip for me living in California and hearing people be like, whoa, can you believe racism exists? I'm like, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah well, I'm I'm in that camp where I saw some crosses burn. It happened. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. So that's how it seems like a movie to me. It's hard for me yeah. to understand. Like, and I don't want to say that. I don't want to say re- Republicans, but that's what I think of. <laughs> yeah. I think of like when I think of Klan members, racist bigotry. Mm. I usually think Midwest Republican, and then I wonder what how. And that's a stereotype that they seem to embrace. Like, we yeah. love guns. Yeah. We no, hate the guns. city folk. Yep. Yep. Well, that's a pretty standard standard protocol uh-huh. for them. But things like militias and the Klan, they, they're still a thing. But they're religious, too. It is interesting. They are Christians. Right. They are definitely Christians. They're not Catholics. We were, we, if anything, identified more as Catholics. But I think probably because the Catholic Church was in another town. Uh-huh. So we were able to go to another town and be Christian and practice this radical love. Um, it's so funny though that isn't that amazing that if that whole group of people that you know was expelling bigotry and not not loving their fellow man but that they're living under the auspices of being kind and loving people because isn't that what christianity purports yeah yeah and it's real funny, even to this day, saying things like, "As I, I work as a, a Catholic theologian, and a lot of times I'll say things, and they're like, no, I don't think that's what it really it really means to be Christian, because that, that's a gay thing, or that's a straight... And I'm like, no, 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 it's radical love. I can assure you, if it's anything that's not love, it's definitely not Christian. And you're like, I have all of the evidence that it is. You're a Catholic theologian. Yeah. That's what you do for a job. For money. How does how does one become a Catholic theologian, and what exactly does that mean? You study the Bible. I was classically trained as a theologian in one particular faith, so that's what makes you a theologian. So classically trained, like I have a master's degree in theology from the University of Notre Dame. Oh, so that's when they'd be like, check theologian, right? And but if you studied, if you're a Buddhist monk, are you a theologian of yeah, monk? Right. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, because you've de- your entire life has been devoted. Yeah. Can you it, be in multi? Can you have yeah. multiple? That's okay. what I was going to say. You could have multiple faiths and have studied theology, the study of God in general. Sure. That's a theologian, also. Right. So I would be a Catholic theologian. Wow. So are you just interpreting the Bible or are no? There I don't more do a lot texts? of Bible stuff. I don't know how many Catholics you know. It's not our big. It's not our biggest thing that we do. Bible. Um, I don't know how that happened. Not my yeah, fault. Well, cause I was raised super, super Christian and the Bible was kind of the end all be all. And so, mm-hmm. and it's such a weird text cause it's so misogynistic. Yeah. And so as a female theologian, yeah. I would think like, wow, how did you come in? Conf- did you find the conflict and did that like it's, it's yeah they don't the bible doesn't seem to like women very much no my point. well it was the bible writers i don't blame the bible i don't right. blame like awesome stories that got written down over generations the stories were awesome i'm glad someone wrote them down just sucks it was only men and right that you know to protect their penises i guess they had to write the stories down that way and i get that that's history and it's history's own fault i try not to blame the bible too harsh but that's right. the well writers. also it was that women didn't know how to read read right or, right. or were considered humans at some point so exactly yeah, yeah. so if we were if we by... were writing stories now and we thought okay yeah we're gonna write these stories but dogs don't really count as humans and then you know we wouldn't include them in our stories sometimes they weren't even included in 
human history so right eh, yeah i love cats i feel like they've been in they, they've they have, been pictorially represented since the beginning of time quite well pretty, historically yeah pretty pretty some cool. points probably more than women yeah that, yeah out. absolutely they yeah. were worshipped by the egyptians yeah. women not so much not. but cats absolutely they definitely had it good yeah yeah so there's that but you deal with that i think it's something that helps education helped a lot with instead of just like pure blind rage that probably kept me alive through like high school and most of college. When I got into college, I was like, oh, it's not like the people I'm dealing with on a day-to-day basis. It's not directly their fault that right. the things are the way they are. I see how they got this bad. Take us through a day at the work of a Catholic theologian. I started today's breakfast out meeting with a deacon who has been serving in the eight, since the 80s with the LGBTQ community in California. And he was one of the oldest, not because he's old, he is old, but he's one of the longest serving deacons for that community in California. And it's a risky thing to be to continue to be employed uh, sure. professionally. But he has managed to be employed f- since I think it was 80. What? I want to say and 80, serving 81. specifically LGBTQ mm-hmm. and professionally in parishes and churches. Uh, so that's like a, that's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, and he got my name off of a poster or something. And he was like, you seem like the kind of girl I want to talk to. Um, and I speak, I pr- prior to moving to California, all my ministry was done in Spanish and he was wow. really into that. He was like, let's do some of that. So I started out with breakfast with this dude where he thought of 18 other people that I should know. And I was like, probably they sound like spectacular humans. So we networked for a little bit this morning. And then I had lunch with a little nun named sister Graciela, who, when I first met, she spent, I don't know, like an hour talking to three other people about how awful white people were and pointing pointing directly at me as case in point. And she doing it in Spanish. She was doing it all in Spanish. She didn't know that you spoke fluent Spanish. She thought I maybe could put together a little Spanish. And then finally my boss was like, I don't know if you've actually met Skip Bacon. I started talking and she was like, Oh, I have met you. You've actually given lectures for me. I am so sorry. Like I am so like the CEO of my company was there and my boss and everybody else's bosses. And she must have spent 20 minutes being like, I am so sorry. And I'm like, can you tell me what you're sorry for? Was it all the shit about white people or was it just me in particular? And she was like, I'm just really sorry. So now I'm doing a series of lectures for her and the people that she supports in her ministry. So I went to take her to lunch today and she apologized a little bit more. And we talked about the lectures that we're going to give because she serves a really underserved, very poor community of, of Catholic church workers. So, And what kind of lectures are we talking about? Primarily what I do is because as a middle class, middle class white woman, I was given the direction on how to succeed professionally in the Catholic church. I was given that information and I was given the opportunities and then given the opportunity to get a $100,000 school loan and go to a school to get this training, whereas most people don't even get the opportunity. I feel grateful for my $100,000 school loan because most people don't even get that opportunity. So I then go and train people who do the same work I've done but we'll never even get the chance to do the training that I do. So I give it away for free. But it's all training. So it's like so it's training like, people in empathy or like kind are you of, like more of a counselor? Uh, yeah, it's training people in a lot of times church work turns into like there's just a list of things that people need to know, put it in their faces, make sure they remember it. Uh, just make sure they get all these documents signed and they get all this work done. Uh, and people fall into that and they're like, okay, that's what I need to do as a church worker. And then they're like, Hey, how come this doesn't work? And nobody wants to hang out with me. And I'm like, yeah, cause no one wants that. That's not actually what faith is. That's not actually why people are attracted to religion and faith. That's why people hate it. That's what turns people away. And they're like, well, what do I do? And I'm like, 
you search you man you search your story and that person's story and those are the things that the, connect the answer is donuts or pizza always donuts people love people don't like meetings but they do like no one likes a meeting donuts no one likes so you're you when you do like meetings or present presentations you're not actually it's not like you're doing a sermon it's not no. like it's based off of you've taken an an idea from the Bible and you're like, let's all learn from this. It's more like real practical every day. Realistically, most oftentimes it's like, Hey, you remember how you're a human and how everyone's human. And that's why we come together. Can you just start there? And then everything else is just a great history of our faith. Everything else is a story in the Bible that brought us together. Not a story in the Bible that if you don't remember every verse of probably going to go to hell, how about you back up off that and remember why we came here and remember why we gather together in these little communities. It's for faith and support. But don't the Catholics believe in like purgatory and hell? I mean, heaven. Yes. Yeah. They believe in that kind of stuff, but mostly because they believe in things like free will and why we choose and how we choose and that we're human. It all goes back to the base of we were, we're made out of love. We're made to love. That's who we are. We fail at it terribly, but it's our one job and everything else revolves around that. Then how is it that if, if we as humans have developed these different modes of love and getting along with one another, what's with all the war shit? I don't, why are we having trouble? Why is it that one, I mean, we're still talking about monotheistic gods, mm -hmm. Christianity, uh, Islam, and Judaism are all ostensibly the same God monotheistically, mm -hmm. but yet there are such divisions and rifts that we're still kind of really fighting the Muslims or, is, or Islam. And we we've waged war as a people, the Catholic church and the crusades and all that stuff. Like how does the church reconcile that history now? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure they've made terrible efforts to do such a thing, but I do think, I do think that if they come back to our history, it, our history is humans that we're humans and it is this effort. It is this effort to love, but it's that radical love. Cause like you had said like, Oh, that love to get along. Like that's a basic love that I think people think we're going for right. like a get along kind of love, but it is like a radical love where I have to look at the worst of the worst and say, but I know, I know for a, I know for a fact you were created out of love and that's why you're here and it's why I'm here and my job is to do this and it is a radical thing that I think we push very far down. So does the Catholic Church deal in like harm reduction for... Yeah, they have like all this doctrine about... God, their doctrine on war is ridiculous. It's like a list of things like here are all the way, the reasons, all the boxes that we have to check before we can go into war. And once we are in war, here are the boxes we have to check after that. Once it is over, here are all the boxes we have to check to rectify what happened because it shouldn't have happened. We shouldn't have had to have checked all these boxes, but we did. This is what happened. And then what happens next? So their doctrine on war is pretty thick, which is, I think why they fall away from things like scripture. Cause they're like, okay, so we have scripture, but like it didn't teach us what to do about like the war. So then we wrote some stuff based on that. And now we use that as our guideline. And then the years go on and you get further and further away from the thing that developed those guidelines to begin with. See, but if we're, if we're practicing radical love and we're loving yeah. our neighbor as ourselves, how, how do we solve like homelessness in San Francisco? Yeah. <laughs> you know, And is the Catholic church like on board with, trying to do the whole Jesus thing and serve the prostitutes and the, you know, opiate addicts. Is that the 
purpose of the church or is that like a side project is that it is the sole purpose of the church now that being said all of that being said every time i say this kind of stuff english spanish in front of theologians or in front of newbies they're always like yeah are you sure though and i'm like yeah no i hear i hear that part of the question all the time i get people all the time they're like i'm pretty sure you're not catholic i should carry my degree in my pocket with me because uh-huh. people are just like mm, no i don't think so i don't really think that's what the catholic and i'm like hey man it's only eight years of education that taught me that's definitely what it's for sure. but his interpretations of this are so mutilated that well and you know and i can trace them all back and say yeah i see how that happened i see how you got here you know sure but that's not what we're actually supposed to be up there are people who think that the current pope is not technically catholic there are people who like i I don't think so because he says you don't need to hate gay people i'm like yeah i mean no one wrote that down and it's almost like it's not even christian and they're like "Mm, i don't know i'm not sure he's catholic oh my oh he's definitely he's definitely catholic that's definitely a part of what we do it's all that we do is love but preaching that makes people go insane well how do you how do you justify the use of non-contraceptions i'm yeah that's i'm a, interested about that's actually what i'm hoping to do my doctoral thesis on is christian sexuality because really that's so cool i would i'm that's so, so cool it's just it's just the one thing that when i went into ministry i was like got all these educations i'm ready and people are like yeah we want to talk about our faith lives and our sex lives and i was like quick quick what was that are your sex lives because right. if there is one thing that the church is woefully unqualified to talk about or negative advice about it's sexuality and one of the biggest things that bugs me is it is that 82 percent of crucifixes right the little crosses with the jesus hanging from them 82 percent of those jesuses don't have nipples <gasps> i've never noticed okay, that but what do you notice he's always got a six-pack even if they had to draw it on he's got a six-pack his quads are like super built he's his calves are ripped nipples 82 percent of them don't have nipples and skip you've just blown my mind and people are always like and oh, skip back in the day they had really good diets and they walked everywhere so his abs and his i'm like the sands of the desert rub off his nipples he's a yeah. man he would have also had, had nipples. nipples um but so if you can't so, so if the church is like uh, so so it's such so hyper sexualized by a recently deceased jewish man's nipples that they removed them from crucifixes then i don't think you're ready to go into this field this may not be your field of expertise well but it has to be because morality and sexuality are completely intertwined and And that's been happening and it it doesn't i don't think it necessarily especially in san francisco i don't think it needs to be that way but there is there's i think that the combination between morality and sexuality exists because when you are willy-nilly in your sexuality you ruin relationships you hurt people's feelings because you're not acting out of like love and respect and honor well and that's the catholic church's doctrine on sexuality the core of it is the dignity of the human person that's i think what the doctrine is probably called in latin if i spoke it and it goes on and on about having to respect the dignity that lies in you respecting the dignity that lies in the other person and building all that we do morality sexuality every step we freaking take looking at that person and saying the dignity that is in me that makes me the the loved person i am is in you then you make your decisions going forward from there about how you bank how you buy your groceries how you sex how you do all those things Mm. but that's where the church stops you don't teach me how to do science you teach me how to respect dignity and creation and then you let the experts take over from there so then i ask my lady doctor about hey 
have some sex questions for you. People are like, oh, skip. They asked me the weird, like, like how many blowjobs is acceptable in like a week of a married life? And I'm like, I don't, how do you think that I'm the person to answer that question for you? And I'm like, how many, how many blowjobs do you think would respect the dignity of your husband and you and the marriage that you built for each other? And the wife's like, I think negative five. And the husband's like, yeah, two. And I'm like, okay. So that has nothing to do with what the church teaches about anything is respecting one another. But then when the church takes that extra step and says, as celibate males, primarily, we think that we can go ahead and uh, venture into that. I'm like, how about you just stick with love and dignity and and let other professionals step in and fair, say, fair. this is what science means for love and dignity. And this is what sexuality means for love. Because they're just not experts and they shouldn't right. have to be. No, and, they, and well, like, you can't expect them to be if they're not, if they're celibate, because they've already given up all their sexuality for Jesus or whatever. They, yeah. uh, I have some Catholic friends and they have a program called uh, Back Rubs for Blowjobs. And that is respecting the dignity of both of them, I think, because she actually prefers a back rub to, well, pretty much anything else. <laughs> And, you know, it goes both ways. So that's, you know, and it's there's a program that they've set. They're in a happily married relationship. They have three kids. They love each other and they have a back rubs for blowjobs program. And they're Catholic. Good for them. It's beautiful. And when people are like, I don't know how I can make my my faith a part of my sexuality. And I'm like, if your faith isn't built on respecting the dignity of other people and building that up with everything you do, then don't even think about sex until you can do that. Like, stop. Right. How do you, because people are like, well, how do I know I'm ready? I'm like, okay. If you have to ask that question, you're not ready. Yeah. And when if you have to ask that question, if you don't, if, then you shouldn't be. Then and like, you should, then you're not, you're not ready. Especially these kids. Kids. Kids are the like, worst kids. Well, and it's, I used to, I used to teach. I used to be. In, I thought you were going to say I used to be a kid. I was like, I oh my God, to be me a kid. too. You really did you? It's crazy. <laughs> I was, I was raised in the, in the, in a Presbyterian church for a long, long, long time. And I was, I was drinking the Kool-Aid for mm-hmm. sure. Like mm-hmm. the Jesus is my, like, like this man this right here, Jesus. this particular Jesus was like my best friend. Like he sat on my bed and held mm-hmm. my hand mm-hmm. and I, it, I mean, a 33 year old man and I were good buddies and no one had a problem super with tight. that. Super tight, super tight. Um, and I, I mean, I was seriously believed like he actually stood next to me and I talked to him yeah. and it was very, I was, I also had a really active imagination. Um, but morality and sexuality and Jesus and all that stuff messed me up and, and I should have, and I did, I waited for a long, 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 long time, but there was so much like shame built around sexuality because in our Mm -hmm. church, that's how they were packaged together is this is a shameful, whorish thing. Don't do it. Yeah, absolutely. And so then it became like closeted and weird and yeah. things changed and there wasn't it wasn't about like it's respect and dignity because that would have been better like, that would have been when you, ideal yeah sure. like if you are with because i mean i didn't have a boyfriend in high school so good thing i wasn't having sex because it wouldn't have worked out because nobody was respecting me or having to, you know what just uh-huh. wasn't even happening uh-huh. so and then when i got to college i thought if i want a guy to like me i've got to suck his dick right because i didn't i didn't have that background in at least my particular church, it was abstinence is everything. Don't ever do it. It's gross. It's scary. It's shameful. It's bad. It's dirty yep. and wrong. Mm-hmm. And and so then I was like, ooh, it's dirty and wrong. Right. I'm right. rebelling from this. And now I'm going to. 
And if, so then you've exempt dignity from it altogether. Exactly. Like, no dignity. I'm like, no like, way connecting like, those. Yeah, exactly. And it's weird for me. It was weird because as a kid, my mom, I think it was my mom. I don't know where it really came from, but this idea of Christianity was built around this idea of love. And there was this woman who got picked to be the incarnation, to give birth to all that was that was ever that will ever be that ever has been was birthed into this world and I knew about birth and I knew about female bodies and I was like so whoa you're telling me out of all the because this story about Christianity and Jesus is insane this dude could have shown up in an egg and been a Tyrannosaurus Rex sure and we still would probably be on board because we are pretty on board with some wild shit and then you're telling me that out of all the things that story could have been you just picked a lady like a me, like you picked a me, like just a, a regular old lady, like, like me, like with my, my muffin top, my jeans never really fit right. And what is this? I'm not going to have acne till I'm 40. You picked that being and then said that being is so full of dignity that all love that ever has been or ever will be is going to pass through that lady and not just pass through that lady. Like she went, ah, mm, Jesus existed. She's going to push it out her vagina. Yeah. It's going to full vaginal canal. There's going to be pubes. There's going to be nips. There's going to be breastfeeding. There's going to be secretions. All of that is so beautiful and so dignified that that's how all of creation came into this world my body is are you kidding me everything about human sexuality it's is clearly the most dignified part of our very existence my vulva sacred everyone's vulvas sacred i'm never gonna have kids ever never in this world doesn't mean this is not a sacred are you kidding me right now nipples yeah. not only should jesus have nipples mary's nipples should be out all the time like right. how is that not happening and so for me growing up i was super empowered in my body and my sexuality because at the core of all christianity is this incarnation story that happened with a vagina and ovaries and nipples and it was so beautiful and, and that's a part of who we are as women as humans and all of it i was like this is how is this not at the core of who we are we just walk around as as those dignity filled little ladies men sure also play their role i did a lot of all women education so Wait, well no but i'm a, i'm agreeing with you but the the thing is, and I've never seen it from that perspective because all I've ever focused on is an angel raping a 14-year-old girl for her to have the son of God. It's like, so God, the way you got to make this happen is you have to have like a non-consensually based mm -hmm. impregnation from an mm -hmm. angel at, with your God sperm. So when, when it's like, just women are, and that's great, but the stories yeah. don't represent that they it's don't. amazing that you as a woman are coming out now and saying with the catholic church and the backing of it saying look we can look at it through this perspective through this lens and i like that but the story and the lens that has traditionally shaped our whole world mm -hmm. is that women are subservient to men that god made women subservient by saying non-consensually based have this baby because he's the representation of men and men control women and mm -hmm. this is just my perspective on it oh well but and i think it's a very common because even after after the mary story got going <laughs> thousands of years later they used mary for all sorts of things you know being a virgin but also being a mother those are the only two options right right that um, even down to things like liberation theology spends so much time talking about we cannot use the, some liberation theologists say we have to abandon the rosary altogether because they use Mary as a way to oppress people who are already being oppressed who are already being enslaved and saying yes she said yes and she took this burden so just say yes 
take this burden, but cling to Mary because she was so beloved and you'll be beloved after you finish doing work on earth here as slaves. And then in heaven, you'll go for it. It'll be great. And so they cling to Mary and they use things like the Virgin Mary story. Even the rosary itself was used as a tool to keep oppressing huge groups of enslaved people women are a part of that but like not just women entire groups of enslaved people and so a lot of liberation theologists are like no we have to let this go in its entirety to survive it all wow which is like a sad thing that that the the men who wrote that story and the men who wrote the doctrine have done to something who at its core is it is so real just really really inspiring well feminist it's a it's a feminist it's just it depends what lens we look at it through. Mm-hmm. So if if you look at the front end of the lens, you know, it doesn't look so great for ladies. But if you look at the back end, it's like, wow, that all life and creation and and all of being saved, all of the future comes through woman. But then we got to go back to that whole Adam and Eve thing with the birthing anyways, and that women did something wrong because they wanted knowledge. And now you have the knowledge of pain, but then our pain isn't recognized. You know, like I'm never going to have a baby either, but when you have a baby, you go through labor. And yet when you're a single mom, you're demonized, you're not paid. And if you have two jobs, you have the job of being a parent and you have the job of survive like helping your child be alive so you have two jobs and you're still demonized and not good enough because you're not somehow connected to a man Mm -hmm. and that there's always like i don't know but maybe the bible is trying to teach us a lesson that things are easier when man and when two people are together doing something it's easier than doing it alone well we know that i mean as humans we know that we weren't meant to be alone that's just not how we were built it was one of the reasons that jesus the jesus story is so important is to understand that even even all of creation coming into this world as human understood why it was important to have a mother, why it was important to have a father, why he cried when his friend died, why he right, needed someone to sure. take him up. Those were important stories, and it's why Catholics, that Jesus instituted the sacraments for us. They were physical signs of invisible things we go around knowing. Mm. We know that we're welcomed in a community. We know we're loved. We know we're forgiven. But putting physical things to invisible things, those are things only humans need. It, it's not Wait, we like rituals we, we like symbols we like People feeling like, physically yeah. feeling we need each other for those things but things like the creation story and the fall are it's and people, I think, it, again, I think it was probably, no, I know it was men. I don't know why I go so easy on it. It was definitely men because that is a story about humankind. Mm. We are given this chance. We are given this life. We are given this world and we are given all that is good and we're given the ability to choose other and we constantly choose other and it constantly right. has negative consequences. Sure. That is it. This is the story of the fall. It has nothing to do with, you know, and yeah. then the, 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 the theology behind pain and suffering, the native American theology behind, behind pain and suffering was that it isn't pain. It isn't suffering. We die. We experience pain and birth and death that we experience those things, but they aren't pain and suffering. It is life. Mm. Acknowledging it as pain and suffering is to cause pain and suffering in yourself that you otherwise didn't have to do. This is what life is. And it's a very beautiful way of looking at that story of the knowledge of good and evil. It is that knowledge. You are given the ability to choose one or the other, right? You choose good or you choose other. Oftentimes we choose other, but it is in choosing that that we acknowledge, yeah, there is other. And now I'm suffering because of it. Whereas the Native American theology behind it was beautiful. It was amazing to hear them just say, we die. We suffer. Birth is awful. Finding food is awful. We will starve. We will. But it is not suffering. It is life. Right. 
And that is a part of our experience of it, unless you give it something else, unless you choose something else for that, which was that, and that's how they understood the story of the fall was that choosing other than that was the point of the story. And even when we don't know, like mm. babies, if you put a bunch of babies, you put a bunch of three-year-olds in a room and give them a bunch of toys, one will eventually hit the other to try to get a toy that they want. And do they know that that's bad? Well, they do after the other kid cries or hits them back. So there's a definite, like, our actions have reactions. And I think I think that's a per- like action and reaction. Like, people you know, say, well, if you do, if you do this thing, isn't that a sin? And won't you burn in hell? Or won't you, isn't that bad? And that affects your, I'm like, I don't know. That's like looking at a fire and saying, if I put my hand in that flame, it's going to burn my hand. Does that make what I did evil? Does that make the flame Uh, evil? Does that make, this is just what happens. And we have a millennia of experience telling us what happens when we do. That's what the Bible is. is Stories over the generations that somebody was like, Hey, Write it down, man. This has yeah. been happening for long enough now. We Don't need to covet write your neighbor's right, wife, bro. Don't covet your neighbor's wife. It's out. always going to be a problem. Who's the dude writing this stuff down? Tell him to write that down. But and it, it has, to, again, it brings back to sexuality, all mm-hmm. that uh, adultery and, I mean, and not doing, there's certain things that you don't do because it hurts other people. Yeah. Like, yes, as humans, we get attracted to other people, but don't fuck your neighbor's wife, bro. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Doesn't that. work out. It doesn't then, work out. And then people say stuff like, "Well, yeah, but like sometimes stealing is what I need to do to survive," and blah, blah blah. And I'm like, and this is why, at the core of all these things, needs to be an understanding of dignity, love, respect, because those things are just a guide. Like somebody just yeah. wrote that down and was like, "Dude, every time I steal, it's bad." It's, it always it's ends up bad. So well, I wrote this down. Yeah. It wasn't the knower of all things who wrote it down and said forever and ever, don't do this. It was dudes. Well, also, if we were dealing with dignity and compassion, if somebody stole food, I would say, hey, come down with me to 8th Street and let's get you on the food stamps. Like there are services to help people so that you don't have to hurt your fellow man. And so when we're doing those things, it's not just a blind list of things we don't do because there's a blind list of things we don't do it's a respect for the history of our ancestors who were like write this down and then wrote it down over i mean because these stories it's not like these stories were written 50 years ago right these are literally the stories of humankind and long before the bible came around people were writing stories just like these down jesus had gilgamesh there was a dude just like jesus he was well okay wasn't a duty like hooves and stuff but he had like 12 friends they followed him around he was the incarnation of all in this world and blah blah that story was like a gazillion years before jesus i'm not good at timelines but there was a story about a dude just like Jesus, only, yeah, for some reason he had hooves and fur, but his friends were humans, and they found this story in a cave, and it was verbatim the story of Jesus. Wow, so he was born from, like, a virgin? and He was born, well, it was technically like a virgin, it was like this weird egg I don't remember. I the like whole, that. It was whole a, egg it's a thing. creepy, cool. crazy story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was supposed to be the all. And then right. he got 12 friends and they followed him around. And he told these stories about how they should be doing things differently. Mm. And then all these things that they had said were going to happen happened when Gilgamesh got here. It's very Jesus esque, but sure. it happened a very long time before Jesus showed up. A crazy long time before Jesus. And the reason we listen to Gilgamesh's story or Jesus's story is because they come from a long story of humans, the history of humans and what humans thought and what they felt and what they could get down in words and what they saved because there's so much we didn't save. And that's the story that we say, okay, yeah, no, sure. I don't follow the 10 commandments exactly. Not because I'm a bad Christian, but because 
it's a story of humankind and I try to live it the best I can. I'm doing my best. I'm really glad I know that murder is bad. I'm glad we started right. with that as a baseline. Yeah, like murder is bad. Don't kill super, people. Super glad somebody wrote that down. Yeah. Also super glad that I was taught love and respect and dignity. So when a dude breaks into my home and is going to threaten to kill my family, I have some basis for an informed conscience going forward. Right. I don't just blindly lay here and say, I'm a Christian. So I guess we all die today. Like, right. And that we hold on to that history of our ancestors and Gilgamesh and Jesus and whatever story you hold on to to say, hey, as humans, we have a lot of experience coming into today. Do you believe in the second coming of Christ? Do you believe in the uh, the apocalypse and the whole like... I guess it doesn't come up a lot in ministry. Really? So, Revelations. It's no. such, such an interesting book to me and, and that some people take it literally and some people don't and that, you know, there's people... I mean, do you believe that the Christians are going to rise up to heaven at the second coming and the rest of us will be down here for a thousand years of, I guess my belief system mostly ends right where like the human experience ends. So once we stop being the humans we are today, I kind of, am like, I'm going to tap out. That's someone else's field of expertise okay, all right. only because you know, literally no way to know any of those things. That's true. But do you, so, do you believe yourself that you're going, do you believe in a heaven and you believe you're going there? I, so my favorite thing about Catholic church teaching is that, uh, heaven, its description is the eternal presence of God, eternal oh. presence of God and God, as in all that ever was, all that ever is, all that is good, all that is unknown and known and blah, 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 sure. all that could possibly be God. That's what Catholics teach heaven is interesting. That's the eternal presence. And that, they teach that we have free will works for me. It totally works for me because I really, when my favorite, my least favorite thing when I teach is when people are like, yo, what about Hitler? And I'm like, if you use Hitler, so help me God, if you use Hitler as an example and make me theologically explain Hitler, it drives me insane. But the easiest way to do it is to say, they, they teach that we have free will. So we can choose, we can choose this eternal presence of God. We can choose heaven if that's how we label it we can choose that but because we believe in free will we also believe we can choose other mm. and choosing to not be in the eternal presence of god would be hell that's what they describe hell sure. as the eternal absence of god and so catholics have to choose have to teach that that heaven and hell exist because we have that choice so we right. have to teach that that exists sure but the teaching is we have no reason to believe that anyone has ever made that choice um, that anyone has ever made a choice to separate themselves so completely from the rest of creation to say, I choose eternity without, without. And so huh. that's my favorite thing. It's disconnectedness. It's connectedness versus disconnectedness. A full turning your back, a full, yeah. I am just not Same. a part of this. And there right. is just nothing about anything the church teaches that teaches us anyone's ever made that decision in the history of mankind. The people like, what about Hitler? I'm like, what about Hitler? Well, and I think, I'm, I mean, I think that Hitler is kind of like, I, I'd like, it's, it's such a hard thing. Cause I, he probably thought that what he was doing was right. hundred percent. It's the same thing with our current president. He thinks that what he's doing is right and good. And although it's diametrically opposed to what I believe is right and good and the same thing with Hitler, it, it, systematically murdering millions of people not good not good not okay mm -mm. but i think i can understand but I, it, uh, he believed that that was what was right for the german people and he i think he legitimately believed that and no. now it it goes against everything that i believe but people do that all the time, like where your informed decision 
maybe you don't have the whole picture or don't understand, but you're coming from your own viewpoint and someone else, for example, I think that pro-life, I think that being a woman and being forced to have a family when you're not ready for it is a human rights violation. Whereas a lot of people say that abortion is a human rights violation. Straight up murder. So is what call straight it. Yeah. up murder. That's what they call it. Right. So for that, when I'm coming from the situation of, hey, pro choose how your life works for you. And I think that that's all right and good. Other people at the same time see that as the biggest evil. Literally. That's yeah. literally what they're seeing. Exactly. They're seeing the evil that you see is the evil that they see. They that's absolutely but that's it's the same the it's crazy to me because it's the same, same thing argument? we're talking about the same the thing is this is abortion it's there's a there's a fetus inside you and do you want to deal with its life for as long as it's going to be alive or do you want to nip this little thing in the bud and get it out and make a choice that works for you and that there's morality that comes into it. And there's people who aren't a part of your body telling you what to do with your body. But they adamantly believe. I had an eight-year-old give me a pamphlet on Market Street <laughs> with a dead baby on it. <laughs> and it was a boy, too. I'm like, okay, number one, don't use your children to, to force your ideology on me. Two, it's a boy. There's no reason for him ever to be talking about what a woman should be doing with their body. It's an eight-year-old boy. And then I look at their parents and I'm just shaking my head like, how dare you make your child do this? I can't even imagine. And I, it explains a lot of the people I deal with on a regular basis. I'm like, yeah, I know how you turn into this person. I've seen those kids. I know. I know how you got here. Cause then when they then go on to get married and have wives and children and they're like, Hey, skipping and uh, I have some sexuality questions for you. I'm like, yeah, I bet you do. Yeah, I yeah. bet you do. I bet you have some really good follow-up questions and it's a hard thing to teach. Cause I think the thing I say the most that people are like, that can't be true and it's probably like the only part of the catechism i did memorize is that the ultimate authority in the catholic church is a person's personal and informed conscience pope himself could walk in here and be like skipping a no and i could say my personal and informed conscience and he'd be like that's the ultimate authority that is the ultimate authority in the catholic church is a person's personal and not the pope's personal and informed conscience your personal and informed conscience they don't take it lightly they're not just like you know you have a conscience so it's the jimmy freaking cricket it's not like that it is a very serious formation of a conscience that you know everything the church has to say and all that history behind generations and generations of ancestors of our faith that you know what the world around you teaches which is like a bizarre thing to try and be on top of anyway like i'm like yeah let's learn about stem cells and i was like jk i'm not teaching that class i don't I could never learn enough about stem cells to teach this class. Um, so you have to know so much. And then you have to have a personal relationship with yourself, with your creator, with the world. And they say, okay, so if you can do those three things, that's a personal and informed conscience. That is the ultimate authority in the church. Wow. And adults are con- constantly either like skip Hagen. I will never have a personal and informed conscience. That is so much work. I'm like touche friends. Like, I think that's why it's weird. We teach fourth graders things like reconciliation. I'm like, he doesn't have a, he's a fourth grader. Right. He does not have a personal informed conscience, but parents are then like, yeah, I don't think I do either and i'm like yeah i know i know we're trying but it is the ultimate authority pope himself could come in here and be like skip Hagen, no and i'm like hey man 
I'm the one who stands. Sin is determined by me and by no one else. I am the only one who could determine this. I am the only one who knows what it means to turn away from my creator. I like your Catholic church. I like, like, it's for sure the legit, but oftentimes people just stand up and walk out and they're like, this lady, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, the things you're talking about, I, I mean, I've been so turned off from Christianity for so long, but this sounds like there's an esoteric quality there's a real thinking quality that I didn't know that. I thought that Catholicism was all about kneel, stand, sit up, sit down. You're reading Latin. No one knows what's going on. It's a ritual that everybody does. And they just have to do it. And that there's these Hail Mary full of grace. Blessed are thou among women. Am I, am I forgiven now? I, I thought I've always heard because I Presbyterianism. I've always heard of Catholicism being this non that it's there's little connection but this sounds like it's the ultimate connection i think it's the ultimate connection but i think the reason it gets it's like that out in the world is because we stop learning about our faith if we're lucky maybe we're 14 usually people are like eight and people are like hey skip bacon no one told me about a personal and informed conscience being the ultimate authority in the catholic church and i was like yeah dude but i mean when was the last time you talked to somebody about your faith they're like no first communion i was in second grade yeah we don't tell second graders that i don't look at a second grader and say like you have to make your decisions in life based on your personal informed conscience because he'd go home mom would say clean his room and he'd be like my personal informed conscience said my room is clean Mm." that's funny you wouldn't teach a kid that and even as i work with adults they're like skip this is like a lot to take in and i'm like guys i know it is we're adults we can handle it but this is and they're like i'm gonna spend the rest of my life learning and living this radical love forming a personal and informed conscience this is the this is and i was like well it should it should have been your whole life somebody should have helped you do this from the get or what really was the point and then they're like yeah that's why i didn't even want to come back to church i only came back because i had a kid i wanted to baptize it i'm like hey glad you're here glad that this still was a community you felt called to but really hope you get to make it a thing that actually makes your human experience better right and isn't that so that's the interesting thing is i felt like in the past that religion has only made my human experience worse harder usually harder Harder. yeah more confusing right more guilt the things i think are wrong i'm being told what to do and why to do things but not how or like what the real point was and and a lot of it was through fear it was like there was so much of my youth was based off of well do it or you're going to hell yeah like jesus what would jesus do well does jesus want you to go to hell like and just this these thoughts (laughs) that i'm going to be punished that there's so much punishment yeah and i i mean and that's what i just thought it was all about and we do like that's how we teach kids like there's don't you know don't get it out of bed at night because the boogeyman's there and and in spanish cultures they they say things like kukui's gonna be there and a lot of times it's really interesting a lot of times in, in, in hispanic cultures kukui is this monster that's always there he's like their version of the boogeyman when kids get older and they start going into faith formation religious education they oftentimes think kukui is god because Kakui's always watching and he'll know if you come down the stairs after 8 p.m. because that's mommy and daddy's quiet time. And Kakui's always there and Kakui knows what you're doing and be careful of Kakui. When they turn and they go into like religious education classes, God's always there, God's always watching, do what he says, do what he do. And they're like, God and Kakui, God and the boogeyman, I think are the same person. And I'm wow. like, see, now what if that fourth grader stops in fourth grade and then is 30 years old, has their first kid, and is like, should I baptize this kid? <laughs> oh, no. That Kukui God creature really messed me up. Of course, you're not going back. Well, also, though, that baptism says that if you don't, what is it, if you don't baptize your child, then they're going to hell? 
that yeah. because babies are innocent but they're not they so they have to be to do big, that like, they close like there used to be a place where like dead babies would go if they didn't get baptized they called it limbo then they closed it in like the 90s they were like limbo is not a thing anymore we closed it and all these grandmas were like what about all the babies and the church literally had to be like um we said a prayer for them and they all went to heaven oh, and, gra- so nice. and the grandmas were like Whoo! and i was like is this really what you th- is, is that this how you're spending your time? Is purgatory limbo? Purgatory, purgatory is not. No, limbo was for just really for dead babies, Native Americans. Uh, who else did they say was in there? Really any missionized people who just didn't quite get it. Huh. Um, it was a very interesting group of people who were said to be in limbo. Um, oh, I think uh, people, anyone with a mental incapacity of any kind. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It was a, it was some very loose theology. So they closed it in the 90s. For I, I got reasonable. real. I got really angry at my fifth grade theology teacher because she said that my cat was not going to be in heaven That's like and i said and she said your cat has no soul you said yep and yes. so your cat is not going to heaven and i disagree with that i think disagree that my strongly. cat has a pretty stellar oh. soul <laughs> i think that my cat has consciousness and understanding and collects his experiences and shares his life with me like any other creature on this creature planet. on this planet yeah. with a soul and well it's, it's she I, made me adamant. so upset I had to teach. I used. To, I taught an eighth grade religion class with a computer engineer for the CIA. Uh, whoops, probably not supposed to say that. No, I didn't say her name. Okay, so she was a computer engineer for the CIA, and I'm a theologian, and we're teaching this class, and she was just very like, there's just questions, there's answers. We teach this class. She was not paying attention to anyone in the class. She was just getting ready for class, reading the book, and we had a section of the class where we just let people ask questions. Like people, they were eighth graders, right? And they're so, people. Eighth graders are people. Eighth graders. Eighth graders and actually though, thirteen year old girls and boys are smarter. They're than They're really give them putting it for. together. And so this they can. Oh boy, but was this other teacher not putting it together? This girl came in, clearly had been crying for a long time, like full Ooh, red face, yeah. like a little bit of drool, like she had been sure. full, cr- and her friends were comforting her and i was like oh that's gonna be today's class i can tell my friend's not paying any attention and she just goes okay let's start the question answer session does anyone have questions everyone looks at this girl and i'm like yep i know what's about to happen and she raises her hand i'm like i know what the question's gonna be and she just goes do animals have souls are they going to heaven i of course i'm like her pet just died that's my cohort here she goes nope animals don't have souls they're not going to heaven the whole class starts crying a whole class full of eighth graders are losing their minds and i was just like i cannot you're bad at this and i think it was the day i first realized i was actually quite good at ministry and some people are not and uh (laughs) and i was like hey guys let's let's back this up like way far back this up you know what how do how does heaven and hell work and i had already taught them about free will and choosing and i said so that's what we do we choose right we, we choose other and what was the when was the first time we chose other than the good and they were like well that garden story and i was like right so that was the first time if we had never chose other than the good where would we be in existence as that as that story tells it and they're like well we'd still be in that existence of of the good of always choosing that good right and i was paradise like, right. running around with fig leaves and right that's where actually we were naked because we we're like i'm not embarrassed about my nudity this or whatever running around eating fruit being be like great. Woo, yeah so they like were clear on all of that and i looked at the girl and it was her dog who had died and i said in your experience with your dog do you think that dog ever chose anything that wasn't the good did that dog ever once choose anything that wasn't exactly what a dog is meant to choose and she was like no that puppy was pure good and i was like that puppy was pure good it's actually kind of a thing that only humans have we're the only ones that choose other 
My cat chooses evil sometimes. Yeah, I definitely. No my one brought up cats. I was yeah. really glad it was a dog yeah. story that day. Uh, and I was like, so did your puppy ever really leave that garden? Did your puppy ever cease to be in the eternal presence of God? Really she was like, no, he would never. And I was like, that's right. And so there you go. your dog, you got to be closer to God when you were with that dog. And she was like, I knew that. And I was like, I know you knew that. Obviously you knew that Fluffster. His name was Fluffster. Fluffster was a good guy. And she was like, yeah. And I was like, so that's kind of a burden that only humans carry. Only mm. we carry that burden of choosing other it's not really and then they were like but we like being able to choose and i was like i mean it's a thing that over a millennia philosophers have said do we like that yeah could we have been built to only choose good why this dilemma and i was like but in the case of fluffster he was never not with god in a way that we can choose and i was like so why don't we remember fluffster when we decide what we're going to choose in life remember that little pup's life and remember how good it was and the greatness and how he was oh wasn't he always happy to see you and she's like yeah he was and i was like so that's the kind of good we can choose that's what it looks like and she was like right so puppies are always in heaven and i was like that's not exactly what i said but i i uh, all dogs but yes yes all dogs were always in heaven they never left heaven it's not even a choice they have to make that's nice see i think that cats were actually aliens from another planet i could go with that and that they came here so that i think that cats do have personal choice because my cat will oftentimes do some messed up stuff he attacks things for no reason he jumps down from high places on my face directly my cat straight from the roof of my house onto the mailman on more than one occasion (laughs) that's that's totally pre-planned and Mm. there's a meditation of a bad bad kitty there but i don't know that mailman he could be making regularly bad choices like what do i know maybe your cat reads minds do you uh this will we're gonna close it down but uh do you believe in aliens do you think that there's something bigger out there than I think it's silly to not believe in I just for how minuscule existence is this just can't I just spent a lot of time talking about all of creation and all that ever was and is and will be it is very difficult to believe that my tiny little life driving around in my tiny little pickup truck on this planet is it right um I also went to see Stonehenge for the first time and I was like, oh, that's why people think aliens exist. That makes sense. That makes sense. So I have a little picture in my home and it just says, I'm not saying it was aliens, but it was aliens. So, uh, and, and, you know, from a theological standpoint, totally makes sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, why would God just make us? And and if the creation story exists, you know, or it, it does exist and that, he made this particular earth he must have been making other planets too and when they say oh it was in seven days i always answer people by saying what's a god day yeah like how dare we try to take a god day and put it into human terms whatsoever the timeline of things so yeah when you're thinking about all of existence and all of time like thinking about things after death i'm like that is a timeline we as humans are ill prepared to conceive of sure so i'm gonna go ahead and just stick with I can know what's alive now and in my short little puny human timeline, this is the best I can do. And we are barely grasping at the timeline we've been given as humans over millennia. But uh, women can finally read. It's very exciting. An exciting exciting time time to be alive right now. (laughs) We got to focus on the positive things like people know 
lot of read now. There's lots of languages. People are writing things down. People are expressing themselves and their truths. And I love biology stuff. I always thought that all biologists were all theologians because they understood creation in a way that no one, I was going to be, I wanted to be a biologist, but dang, all this stuff we're learning. When Einstein's stuff, when I started learning his stuff, I was like, man, we are barely, we are grasping at straws here as humans. Well, that's what makes me believe in, in a heaven is, um, Einstein's, the theory of relativity that matter can't be created or destroyed. So the matter that exists within us, the energy that makes us be alive when that goes on to something else, like it has to, to, it's a science, right? Cause it's part of science. So no matter what, the energy that we are feeds back into the energy that is and what is that energy and if that energy is god then we get to constantly be in the presence presence of god God. once we could see why shuffle off this mortar coil i really did think all scientists were theologians i was like because they get it at a level so when i went into schooling i thought i had to be a biologist and a theologian oh wow oh no you only have to do one i was like "Mm, are you sure because they seem like they are pretty self and they're like no 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 just one and i was like oh all right, I, I'm bad at. I was really bad at biology. I was like, well, I'll do theology then. But sure, seems like theology. Yeah, well, Einstein. I was like, thinking. yeah, that guy probably is God. I was like, no, 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 I don't know. Question mark. He's not a great guy. But I, uh, I <laughs> do you have a book it. coming out or anything? You, I, 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 I want to read your book. I don't. I do. I do comedy sometimes because people think this is all very, very entertaining. Uh, I do want to write a book. We're trying to figure out titles for the book. Like, uh, what was it? Uh, Christianity what was it Christianity the virgin and the vulva was one of them wow that's love one it. we really like missionary not just a position in the third world people are looking forward to that that's so hilarious we're, we're throwing out a lot of uh, we really want to focus in on like Jesus erections because it's not just women whose sexuality got real twisted it's 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 men Jesus had erections what did he do with them what would Jesus do with an erection wow uh, so we really we really this want to work is, on I can't wait to things. read your book. Yeah. It'd be great. I mean, that's the whole thing is if there was a book when I was in eighth grade and I was trying to grapple with all this stuff, man, what, that what? would have been great. Instead of saying, don't ever have sex, it's shameful and awful and it's only for procreation. Instead of having that message, if there was a dip, if there was a message about like, about, what did Jesus do with an erection? What, what did people do back? What is, what do you do? What if you... Jesus erections and, and, and Mary's vulva. Like I really want to focus in on those things because yeah. I think they're very empowering parts of Christianity that have gotten very looked over yeah. and in my ministerial experience are very important to people. <laughs> they yeah. really comes up more often than you would think. So I, and, and nun breasts. I talk a lot about nun breasts because my mom told me I couldn't be a nun because my boobs were too big. And oh, that's funny. So I also talk a lot about nun breasts. I'll they be, wanted um, me to be a nun when I was little. Yeah. I went to a nun's funeral and I had to look because she was like a cousin of my grandma or something who was devoutly Catholic and they wanted me to kiss her and I said (gasps) I'm not kissing the dead person and then all the little nuns came around they said are you going to be a good little nun when you grow up and I was like no no I never wanted to be a nun and I just told my I was 12 I was like mom I'm going to church work and she was like screw the man and I was like what is the the man she's like you if god wanted to be you to be a nun uh he wouldn't have given you such fabulous breasts you ever see a nun with breasts like that so then i I was like i didn't want to be a nun but then every time i saw a nun i was like "Mm, that's what god's into okay cool 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 it's all i thought about it's 
pretty much still that's all I think about when I see a nun. I'm just hilarious. like, don't look at her boobs. Like, you know, that's not the truth anymore. And that's but it's so funny. And I could do that in your comedy act. I do. So I'll be at the Sacramento Punchline this coming Wednesday. Is today Wednesday? What's today today? Is Wednesday. Today is Wednesday. Next next Wednesday, I'll be awesome. at the Sacramento Punchline. Yeah. Sweet. Who else is on that show? I'm just kidding. Ellis Rodriguez. He's one of my favorites. All right. I love Ellis Rodriguez is on there. Tina San Lucas is on there. Joey Stoltz is on there. And it's a, a lady producer. She's Yay. one of my favorite ones. Shayna Schaefer and the Stay Silly Comedy. So yeah, yeah. I know who Shayna Schaefer is. I, I never get out to Sacramento because I don't have a car. I have a car and I'm supposed to drive more for work than I do. I'm supposed to work harder than I do. So if ever you have a, a load of comedians who need to go to another city, I need more miles on my car. Oh, so that's we so can funny. hook that up well, any you can do the ministry. You can, you can minister to the, to yeah. the comedians because Lord knows they need it. Oh, they do. Like, God bless them. God bless them. So oh. those little boys, I feel like they're all the disturbed junior hires you had in they, the classroom. They are. They I think you up. could even just say their names and they would respond. I'm like, do I have a title? Tyler, let's Tyler. go. Here, yeah, I know. Tyler, Kyle, get in the car. Get guys. in the car. We're, We're going to Sacramento. Yeah. So I not only am available for theology in English or Spanish. I only do comedy in English because I'm afraid of abuelitas, the little grandmas, and if they heard me saying some of those things in Spanish, I just couldn't handle it. Right. So I only do it in English. Um, but yeah, I'm available for carting around theologians or comedians anytime. Cause... I have I have one joke in Spanish. It's uh, <laughs> que pasa en tus pantalones. What? Una fiesta en mis pantalones y todos vienen. What? <laughs> so I use I use the proper verb to come, like to come to a party. Mm -hmm. But really, I'm double entendre. Did you craft role. that yourself? I did. Nicely I done. That. Thank you. <laughs> my my boyfriend speaks uh, fluent Spanish, and so he's he's helped me with the helped you out with, with the accent. Yeah. With the accent, especially. Yeah, especially, it is very important. It is. Very Otherwise, very you're like. Me gusto crema pomera mucho. Yeah. yeah. And that's like, like the I one like Spanish. myself fresh cream. Yeah. Like yeah. I think I just said. But I like to. Burrito. It's not even it's not even a Mexican dish. It we doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't, just work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Skip Bacon, this has been amazing. Yeah, I'm glad. I thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and expertise about you've really changed my mind about Catholicism. You're Glamour. you're our first like real Catholic too. That isn't because usually the people I have on are like, I used to be Catholic and yeah, fucked it. They're recovering. But, um, they're, they're recovering. recovering Catholics, but, yeah. But you're still in things. it and you're I, I mean you're you changed You've changed my perspective on a lot of different things, so I appreciate yeah. that. So oh, much. anytime. This anytime. is this has been some call me Tim here on Mutiny Radio. Let me play the trippy song again. Okay. I play this spacey song at the top and the bottom because I don't know. It makes me think of like God, you know, out there in the firmament. In the God is a spirit. It doesn't have a body like a man. Very cosmic Christ. Cosmic Christ. Uh, this has been a pleasure. Skip Bacon. Everybody look her up. Go see her next Wednesday in the Sacramento Punchline and in the future all over the place. Uh, I'd love to have you back down for one of my Friday shows here. Anytime. Yeah. And uh, hey, thanks for enjoying Some Call Me Tim here on MutinyRadio.fm. All right. Bye, everybody. Overriders. 
If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, we'll help you get your motorcycle repaired or replaced and assist you with your damaged gear, too. We're by your side every step of the way. With the Law Tigers, you never ride alone. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, call 1-800-LAW-TIGERS or visit us on the web at lawtigers.com. The Law Tigers, California's motorcycle lawyer. Victor Davis, Harris Law Firm, LLP, 180 Permanent Circle, Suite 300, Sacramento, California, 95834. Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on MutinyRadio.fm for the Let's Watch a Full Length Movie on YouTube. We watch the best movies that, uh, aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by uh, Here's you. his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch
Apply now for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2020 coming up March 1st through 7th, 2020. But you can apply now through November 30th. 50 shows in seven days, over 50 comics from all around the U.S., and you could be one of them. Go to the Mutiny Radio website, www.mutinyradio.fm. Click the Apply button. Pay that 20 bucks. Donate to Mutiny Radio and apply with your five-minute video to the Mutiny Radio 5th Annual Comedy Festival coming up March 1st through 7th, 2020. Submissions close November 30th. Get those submissions in now. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be like in front of an audience, like other than like squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes. And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8 that's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Hungry for a burger? Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counter Offer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counter Offer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counter Offer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counter Offer uses only fresh ingredients and never store-bought shit. Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counter Offer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counter Offer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Van S. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counter Offer, baby. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Oh, 
subliminal SF visual and auditory mind control brings you the best, coolest teacher. All right, back here on Some Call Me Tim. We're going to be watching for the second hour. Going to be watching some of the videos that have been submitted to the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. We're going to watch them live in front of you listening audience and uh it's gonna be great all right our first one is michael satumba i know this guy he's a local comic let's see what happens with his video all right here we go going into the getting it all set up thanks for listening to some call me tim skip bacon what an interview that was really exciting to have a new perspective on God and stuff, specifically Catholicism. Here we go. Let's see what the kind of jokes that Michael Satumba wants to tell during the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2020. All right. Here comes the internet. There we go. Problems with your video. One. Here, before I do this, this is Melina Best for Helium Nightclub, which I love. It's him from Portland. Okay, Michael Satumba, problems right out. You should have started your video after that first joke, after you messed up with the. Where do you put the the uh, mic stand, all that stuff. You should have started your video there. And then it's really hard because you you recorded it from the back of the room where there's people talking. So it's hard for me to hear your jokes. I'm going to have to watch that one again later. Here's the next one. This one already looks great. It's Melina Best from Helium Comedy Club in Portland. They do great videos up there. I like that girl already. I know this girl. She's wearing a cat dress. I like that. Hi, how y'all doing? Good. I, I don't care. All right. All right. So I, uh, before coming here, I grabbed a coffee at Starbucks, and the barista said, hey, can I have your name? I was like, no, bitch, it's mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
what the fuck? I recently got a job without an interview because I thought I was the other Melina that they had interviewed. Tale as old as time, let me tell you. I come in on my first day and the manager's like, oh, you weren't the one we wanted to hire. Ah, fuck it, you're close enough. We just won't put you on the schedule, sound good? Cool, 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 cool. Before that, I worked at Burgerville. And uh, one day when I was working the drive-through, the window wasn't opening very easily. So once it did, the woman outside of it was like, <laughs> that window did not want to work. And I'm like, well, neither do I. So. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like we have a conundrum here. She's like, <laughs> conundrum, I didn't see that on the menu. <laughs> so I shot her. <laughs> A serious look, you guys. Ah. Come on. I like her. She's like standoffish. Uh, I was walking through the dining area and I asked an elderly regular how she was doing she was like oh just waiting to die I was like uh, you picked a good day for it like I don't, I don't know how to help you there yikes um, glad he's fine I don't know who that is but um, so I haven't really uh found any keepers at my day job, which has led me to think about my past relationships. And uh, I think I hit my peak at an early age, preschool. <laughs> I mean, I didn't hit it, like. Um, <laughs> we got married though. But that little fucker hasn't stayed in touch. <laughs> Men, am I right? <laughs> More recently though, I went on a date with an acquaintance and uh, he was like, so no offense, but are you autistic? <laughs> I mean, he said no offense, so. <laughs> not offended. <laughs> I like her. So Moving during on. sex. Uh, next one is Chris Holstein. Oh, this is at Cobbs. Interesting. The next guy coming to the stage, really funny guy. Why don't you give it up for real name for Mr. Chris Holstein? tell me all the time, I look a lot, people tell me all the time, I look a little bit like the kid from Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. <laughs> yeah, that applause tells you everything. Two people are wrong. 
I look a lot like the kid from Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. And we have a lot more in common than that. One, we both grew up being called the kid from Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. <laughs> I don't know whose childhood was harder based on that fact alone. Two, we both have adoptive fathers. His adoptive father was, uh, of course, Indiana Jones, you know, professor of archaeology, dug up ancient relics, fought the Nazis. My adoptive father spends his time walking around the park with a metal detector. So it's close! Close. Third, the kid from Indiana Jones grew up to be a goonie. Hung out in the Pacific Northwest with a bunch of white kids. He was a little bit weird, but they never said one racist or derogatory comment towards him. I also grew up in the suburbs with a bunch of white kids. I was very weird, in case you haven't noticed. And they didn't have one racist or derogatory comment towards me. They had every racist or derogatory comment for me. If you could think it, they said it. This is back in the 80s. I was called a chink, a nip, a jap, a gook. I would go on, but people were getting really uncomfortable. And yeah, only one of those is technically accurate. Would you like to take a guess as to which one? Good answer, thank you. He didn't say anything. He's one of the good ones. He was about to speak. I am adopted. I, uh, I was adopted and raised by white people. Uh, I'm very whitewashed. Who applauds for that? That was not a punchline. Because you're not me. I'm very whitewashed. I'm basically an honorary white person like Tiger Woods or Eminem. I'm so white, I still don't 100% trust Japanese people. I'm so white, I think this Chinese food in Safeway is pretty good. Yeah, it's good. Sweet sour pork. I'm so white, Women. We're gonna pivot away from that. I am a, I am a stay-at-home dad. Thank you, thank you. Whatever comment today, not today. Um, I try to be a good dad, I do, but uh, I'm also part of that generation I grew up without children, so uh, without parents, without dads. Fuck that up, this is a light, fine. Um, so my other examples are good parenting were the dad that see on my favorite TV shows growing up, you know. Homer Simpson. Walter White. Every dad from Game of Thrones. My kid is fucked. Uh, my wife and I have been married for over five years now. No, no, no. Don't applause, don't applause. <laughs> Not worth an applause break. We are the most boring couple in the world. Alright. We, uh, we got, there's literally nothing going on. Now, every once in a while, like maybe once or twice a year, we do have like a day of fantasy, you know? We like, we like, you know, we're into that. So, you know, we'll make a day out of it. We'll do like 12 hours of straight fantasy. We watch the entire Lord of the Rings Ascended Trilogy, is what I'm trying to say. Because that's how we roll. 17. <laughs> um, and I don't, you know, 
I think some people are probably looking at me and be like, how is he married? <laughs> I, ask, I ask myself that every morning. I, I don't know. Uh, when we got married, I was unemployed. I, was, I had a less than $1,000 to my name. I, I had this face. <laughs> Everybody always laughs at that. Uh, I'm in very poor health. I know I look young. I, look, I have the good looks of like, you know, Ken Jeong or David Chang, but inside I'm, I, I ate the portrait of Dorian Gray. And uh, I, have, I have a bad back, I've got a bad knee. Last week I caught them hugging glue behind the house. So, I'm broke, I'm old, I'm ugly, I'm in poor health. Why did my wife marry me? I think she has a thing for the kids from Indiana Jones. <laughs> Thank you for the love, cops. Have a good night. Thank you. Yay, Chris Holstein, that was a great set. You are hilarious and wonderful. Good job. Chris Holstein, all right, moving to the next video. This is about two weeks ago. We had one at Decimal, and it was a really great experience. Uh, we raised uh, almost 800 bucks, uh, just under 800 bucks for the Clothes for Kids organization, which is really, really cool. Um, Yeah, like my name is Pocho. 
my sister's name is Alyssa. And yeah, yeah, it went from Bokola to Alyssa. That, that was that was real quick. Yeah, and then and then my my brother, my brother, my younger brother, his name is Jarek. Yeah, so Pocholo, Alyssa, and Jarek. I'm like, I was like, I'm, I'm the fresh off the boat. Yeah, but it's yeah, it's it's interesting. But yeah, speaking of speaking of siblings, I got. Um, I like this ladies' night concept, you know, for comedy, like, because that's exactly what people, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to know. It's like, it's, it's that's, there's a reason we got into comedy, it's because we don't look good. <laughs> yeah, you think Ryan Gosling, like, makes jokes? No. <laughs> it laughed and impressed him, yeah. If I was good looking, I would not be on stage. <laughs> yeah, flood number three, that's me. <laughs> right there. Flood number three is that sweet spot, because you know how all the bad guys, when they attack like a martial arts you know, hero, they gotta attack him in like a separate line, you know? So the first guy gets taken out real quick. The second guy kind of throws a punch but misses. You know, I like, okay, number three is good, because I gotta hit him once, you know, he's like vulnerable, but then I get taken out immediately. So, yeah. Another thing I enjoy doing is yoga, because you know, I'm, I'm the target audience for that as well. <laughs> yeah, just me. I really, I really, uh, I really adapted well to the states. Like once we moved, I was like, yeah, time to wipe it up. A big Taylor Swift fan. Woo. I'm sorry that I get more woo. Does anyone listen to her latest album? Taylor Swift? No. Really, no one. his jokes as well as I wanted to, but I could tell the audience was laughing, so that's nice. Um, let's try Teresa Slater out of Chicago. That's exciting. Chicago. 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 Let's listen to her tape from Chicago. 
Okay. Sorry about that buzzing in the background. That is annoying. Paste. Oh, I did the wrong About two weeks ago, we had one at the decimal, and it was a really great experience. Uh, we raised uh, almost 800 bucks, uh, just under 800 bucks for the clothes for kids. Okay, there we go. This is Tressa Slater at hey Joke guys. Park in... I'm so excited to be here for the October show because aliens are real. Thank you. Um, I, about a year ago, I applied to be a paranormal investigator with a local ghost hunting team. Uh, you know that thing where you're filling out a job application and you're like, um, you just want to tell them what you think they want to hear, so you're like, uh, no, no, I don't mind a drug test. Uh, no, I'm not a felon. Yes, I am a male. You know what they want to hear. Uh, I, I, I did that and I told him I was an open-minded skeptic, which is a lie, but I thought it sounded more sophisticated than, uh, I don't think that reptilians have nearly the amount of power that people think they do. <laughs> so, um, I didn't get that job. Uh, so a lot of people get kind of weirded out by paranormal stuff. Uh, it's like, um, it's like a menstruation. Uh, everyone knows it happens, pretends like it doesn't, and uh, half the population has no idea the, the biology of it. I just, I was listening to this guy, uh, he was talking about orbs or some shit, and I realized, uh, I, I think that the paranormal is my religion. I prefer music to reference it. Uh, I know the truth, and if you disagree, you are wrong and stupid. And uh, Fox Mulder is my one true god. I'm just kidding, he's not real. But Ancient Aliens is my Bible. I'm just kidding, that show is racist as hell. Uh, you know. You don't have to believe in this stuff. Uh, I don't believe in late stage capitalism. But it exists. I, I'm sorry, I don't want to get too political. Uh, but uh, have you guys noticed how Trump's eyes look like bleached assholes? <laughs> the windows to the soul. <laughs> so what's your guys's least favorite human construct. I'll go first. Um, my, no particular order. Um, capitalism. Um, I just, I just wish that we could help mentally ill people with money hoarding tendencies without eliminating a living wage. And then there's gender. Uh, I could live the rest of my life happily if I never have to see another gender reveal. I don't care about your fetus's genitals or your aspirations for them. And uh, musicals. I fucking hate musicals. I, uh, it's not so much, you know, the, uh, 
the synchronized dancing or the spot on lyrics. I don't, anyone who's taken an improv 101 class can do that. And since we're really close to Chicago, that's approximately 79% of you. But I just don't care about your emotions. I don't want to know anything deep about your mind. Uh, the second you start giving me your inner monologue, I check out. I, uh... <sighs> I really hate musicals, you guys. Uh, so, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, anyway. Speaking of stuff white people love, um, I recently had come in contact with a striking revelation about my own whiteness. I uh, had been uh, assuming that I was getting food poisoning from all these different restaurants uh, when I uh, realized I actually have a very uh, high intolerance for quinoa. I'm basically allergic to a bland grain. So, uh, listen up, artisanal chefs. Uh, if you want to give me exotic foods from foreign lands, just let me colonize an already together society and I'll do it myself. That's my Columbus Day joke, everybody. Thank you. So, uh, lately I've been uh, taking classes here and there. And uh, by the end of the first class, Inevitably, every fucking time, the uh, instructor will say something super crazy dark and be like, Tressa, you get it. <laughs> you know. He'll be like, uh, we could cover it in pentagrams, Tressa. Yeah, I... 
Tressa Slater is chill. She's just a little different than I'm used to. She's super chill. Uh, this is Kevin Quigley from the Comedy Studio. And he is from... All right, Kevin Quigley of the Comedy Studio. Let's check you out. Away we go. Uh, who's, who's next? Oh, this is the host. Oh, there he goes. The show. <laughs> I'm very good at this. <laughs> next young man has. Oh, and uh, uh, we have, we just started this week a podcast for the the comedy studio where the people who play here and stuff. Uh, we we talk and stuff, and Rob will be on it uh, uh, next week. Um, this young man has a, his own terrific podcast called uh, uh, Between Two Quickly. Uh, no, uh, One Quickly. Excuse me. So I hate it when they put this part into their video. I don't need this. I just want to see... Our next performer, ladies and gentlemen, has a terrific podcast called Talking Too Quickly. How do you like me now? Let's welcome Kevin M. Quickly. All right. The reassuring thing is now I know Rick is not the person who told me to kill myself in the comments on my podcast. <laughs> I like this guy. How's it going tonight, Somerville? Are you all still here? I left my glasses at home. Can't see any. I actually just moved here. I'm very excited. Love this area. Love my apartment. Only one bad thing about my apartment, and that is that the washer and the dryer are coin-operated. And my landlord's a real cheapskate, so it takes about 16 quarters just for me to do a wash and a dry. And I have no idea where I'm supposed to get quarters. Someone said, Kevin, well, why don't you just go to the bank? And I said, yeah, maybe I'll go to a town hall meeting after. What year is this? <laughs> These kids with their rap music. I'm going to tell the teller about it when I'm writing traveler's checks. So one day... I know I need to do laundry, I desperately need to, and I know I only have 15 quarters at home. So I, and I stop at this bar, and by sheer coincidence, when I go in the bathroom to pee, sitting right on the urinal cake, I think you guys know where this one's headed. You may be thinking, Kevin, did you really take that? That's gross. But let me tell you tonight, Somerville, Massachusetts, so was the blood that I washed out of my sheets. I can't start over, I only have five minutes. Everyone having a good time tonight? Are you guys drinking tonight? Love drinking, drinking's great. I don't believe I have a drinking problem. I was raised in a Catholic family and I think we all know Catholics are the best at believing lies. This is Jesus, he died for your sin. This wine from Trader Joe's, it's his blood, whatever. Uh, don't worry about that whole little kid thing. We got it under control. Uh, Kevin doesn't have a drinking problem. Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God and with your spirit. <laughs> they did change it. I like this one. I'm going to be picking on her. So my girlfriend, however, she does think I have a drinking problem. I don't need to take that from her, though. She does not even exist. I'm not too good with the ladies, folks. I don't want to date myself here. Thanks. It's not a dialogue, though. The last time I had sex, we had a first lady who slept in the same bed as her husband. 
Oh yeah, I forgot that Cambridge was a Republican town. <laughs> so everyone these days, they're dating on the Tinder. They're like, Kevin, you get on Tinder, that's how you, that's how you do it. Every girl on Tinder says the same thing. They say, hit me with your best pickup line. So I said, hey girl, hey, you my parents? Because you're gonna be disappointed. <laughs> Didn't work. I don't know what the deal is. I guess you're not supposed to bring up your parents when you're trying to be sexy. So I said, hey girl, you a leaky pipe? Because you should be in my basement wrapped in duct tape. I'm having a rough week, folks. First of all, I got kicked off a of Tinder. Second of all, I got this nephew. He's like five years old, and he caught me masturbating. I know, and it was totally my fault. I could have easily chosen a different playground. It's just a joke. I don't even have a nephew. My sister is like the queen of miscarriages. That's just a joke. My sister has an IUD. I know this because like a lot of you, I'm sure she always brings it up at inappropriate times. She'll be like, I have empowered myself as a woman by reclaiming control of my reproductive organs. And then the waiter at the restaurant is like, yes, ma'am, will that be a supercell? So as I mentioned earlier, I was raised in a Catholic family, and I am distraught to see the scandal that is running rampant in the church. Uh, some people even saying that they want the Pope to resign, and they want him to resign for the same reason the last Pope had to resign, for being the cool friend who got the rest of his friends laid. <laughs> it's fast times at Vatican High School. I'll leave you on this. I recently did a gig, and it was me and about an audience this size. The only difference was this gig was 135 black people. Now, I think it's very important to surround yourself with people from other cultures, uh, unless... So, I had some ignorant friends, though. They said, Kevin, are you really going to do that gig? Aren't you afraid one of them's going to have a gun? And I said, that's racist. Also, I'm an awkward, lanky white guy, and I did like five minutes on not getting laid. I think they're going to be worried I had a gun. <laughs> Dude, give it back to Rick! Kevin Quigley, I love ya. Okay, well, that was a lot of fun. We got to go through some of the festival submissions, and they're great. It's, uh, it's going to be hard to choose this year. We're here, uh, Mutiny Radio is going into its fifth annual comedy festival here at Mutiny Radio. And uh, it's going to be bigger than ever with 75 shows in seven days, March 1st through. So it's longer than it's ever been. It's March 1st through 7th. And it's going to be a good time. So apply now. Apply often. And uh, we'll be back next week with the Altcast and Some Call Me Tim checking out those submission forms. That was, it was a lot of fun to interview Skip Bacon. Check her out at Punchline Comedy Sacramento next Wednesday on a great show with some really funny people. She's, it was really interesting to talk about uh, theology with her today. Please keep listening to all things mutiny radio and we appreciate your support. Press that donate button if you can on the website 
or check out our new app that's coming out. It's going to be for iPhone, and you can use the adjustable donate button. You can always just PayPal us, mutinyradiofm at gmail.com, because trying to keep free speech alive in the mission. Thanks for joining us on Some Call Me Tim. And I'll be back on Thursday night. Ooh, that's tomorrow. There's a comedy show, Coven Comedy with Joanna Bateman. And then also on Friday for both Happy Hour and Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse with special headliner Terry Dorsey. Also Saturday from 4 to 6, we have that Mutiny Radio Saturday open mic. So come on by. Usually longer sets just because there's less comedians that show up and we divide the time up. So lots of time for comedians to work on those long sets. And check out, if you're going to be in Portland, Ha Harvest Festival over Thanksgiving weekend. Buy your tickets now. Uh, they're hoping to sell out this year. So thanks again for being with me and enjoy the new fall breaker. Law Tigers, we fight for motorcyclists. We're not just motorcycle lawyers, we're part of the riding community. Law Tigers watches over riders. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, we'll help you get your motorcycle repaired or replaced and assist you with your damaged gear too. We're by your side every step of the way. With the Law Tigers, you never ride alone. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, call 1-800-LAW-TIGERS or visit us on the web at lawtigers.com. The Law Tigers, California's motorcycle lawyer. Victor Terrace, Harris Law Firm, LLP, 180 Permanent Circle, Suite 300, Sacramento, California, 95834.
and I will cut Hello, Blake. Henry, yeah, Charlie here, yeah. I have a report here, Henry, from your, uh, from your chief nurse, Major O'Houlihan. She makes some accusations, Henry. I, I find pretty hard to believe. Uh, the dude minds, man. I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on MutinyRadio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies that... uh, Aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by Uh, Here's his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch a Apply now for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2020 coming up March 1st through 7th, 2020. But you can apply now through November 30th. 50 shows in seven days, over 50 comics from all around the U.S., and you could be one of them. Go to the Mutiny Radio website, www.mutinyradio.fm. Click the Apply button. Pay that 20 bucks. Donate to Mutiny Radio and apply with your five-minute video to the Mutiny Radio 5th Annual Comedy Festival coming up March 1st through 7th, 2020. Submissions close November 30th. Get those submissions in now. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead peasants? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to Joke Workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes. And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8 that's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Hungry for a burger? Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counter Offer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counter Offer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counter Offer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counter Offer uses only fresh ingredients and never store-bought shit. Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. 
Counteroffer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counteroffer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Van S. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counteroffer, baby. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk, MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shitface McRat. <laughs> Subliminal SF visual and auditory mind control brings you the best, coolest t-shirt and hoodie designs and mind-bending local bands and shows at venues all over San Francisco and the Bay Area. Subliminal SF is here to destroy your sense of normalcy and plant ideas in your skull to make you cooler and a more awesome person. Check out all the badass products at subliminalsf.myshopify.com That's subliminalsf.com Dot myshopify.com and experience subliminal SF. Hey, you open micer in San Francisco comedy scene. Maybe you want time to do jokes. Well, this is the place to do it. Mutiny Radio. We have three open mic a week just for you. Monday's joke workshop from 6 to 8. Come and get four minutes and four minutes of commentary from your comedian peers. Come on Fridays for happy hour 6 to 8 here at Mutiny Radio. All the comics, wonderful, hilarious people in the scene. Get to know them. Hang out. Do a set. Have it recorded here and on a podcast at mutinyradio.fm. And come in on Saturdays from 4 to 6. Get long sets, because no one ever shows up, so it's like stage time, and people can listen. Come on by to Mutiny Radio. Get your comedy on, baby. Tell me what you think about your situation. Complication, aggravation. Is it getting to you? Then tune in live.